Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walchef with Cali Comfort Barbecue, and we are recording at Soccer City. This is our special election episode uh, with my man Derek Marceau from Valley Farm Market. How do you feel? I actually feel a lot better than I felt two days ago after having that food poisoning. Um, got a good workout in this morning, which was great uh, before we got up here. And I'm just extremely impressed with everything that's going on here in Soccer City, man. All these uh, beautiful pictures of what could be is uh, pretty, pretty rad. Yeah, for somebody that um, both of us haven't grown up in San Diego, I think we've... We've lived the life of renderings, and there are some sexy renderings uh, in this campaign headquarters. We're here at Soccer City. This is a very special episode with Landon Donovan. Uh, For those of you that have been following Behind the Smoke, we dig deep into what happens in real life, what happens in business. Um, And this is very cool to have the greatest soccer player in U.S. history on our podcast. Welcome, Landon. That's a nice intro. It depends on who you're asking. <laughs> right? so my mom well, would agree with that. According to Derek and I, it's uh, you're the greatest. So. I appreciate you're that. You're the goat. You're the goat emoji. It's subjective, and we think it's so here. That's all that matters. So it's subjective. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. So tell us about Soccer City, how you got involved. So about two years ago, I met with Mike Stone and Nick Stone, who are not related. Uh, Mike Stone is the principal investor behind Soccer City, and Nick Stone is the project manager. And I had just moved to San Diego with my wife. My wife grew up in Rancho Santa Fe. And they asked me if I wanted to be part of this project. And I was excited at first because the prospect of bringing a Major League Soccer team to San Diego was exciting, my new home. Um, But I was also skeptical because I had had some vague idea of what had happened with what was going on with the Chargers and what had happened over the years living. I grew up two hours from here, so I I had some idea of that. I knew the asking taxpayer for money issue that was going on, and I really wanted to know what was behind their motivation, right? Because these were not soccer people. Mike Stone and Nick Stone are not soccer people. Right. So I, I was a little bit skeptical, but I was excited. So I had about two weeks worth of conversations with them, and I kept digging in to make sure that their motivation was in the right place. And I think they would tell you, initially, they thought soccer was exciting. The idea of soccer was exciting, but it was more about doing the entire project, building the river park, helping out San Diego State, those kind of things. I think as time's gone on, they've become really fond of this game, and more importantly, the people who are involved with soccer in this community and they've really fallen in love with it. So once I got the answers I wanted and, um, and could see in their eyes that, that they were doing this for the right reasons, I jumped on board. No, I think it's exciting. I mean, the, we lost a football team and to be able to get something back that excites San Diego would be really, really exciting. I mean, we have the demographic here that of people that absolutely love soccer. It's a great, great sport. I was talking to you a little bit about it before we started the podcast, but my family, my brother-in-law who's here right now, my nephews all play this sport. They love it. They're wearing jerseys all the time. It's something that you can really feel there's a movement t- coming towards soccer. Personally, I played soccer growing up. Didn't uh, didn't play it, you know, collegiate or anything like that. But when I got done playing sports, I didn't like watching football. 
So going over to my brother-in-law's house or something, we would watch soccer, and it's so exciting to watch. If you actually watch the game, it's really, really exciting to watch. And I think people are starting to understand how much fun it is to, to really watch these games and how intricate it is and how hard it is to do. I mean, go out there and try to kick one of these balls around and do what they do. It, it's incredible what kind of athletes are out there playing. And if you're excited to watch on TV, imagine having that in person here. Sure. And it's your own team. It's a San Diego team, right? I don't know the Spanos family well. I just follow it in the news. Some of you know them better than I do. Um, I can't imagine picking up and leaving the city that I'm in right. and from. That, to me, is such a foreign concept. And Mike Stone, Steve Altman, the Taibbi brothers, uh, the people who are involved in this project here have been in San Diego for 30, 40 years. They've raised their family here. They're not going anywhere, right? This is a legacy project for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference. And it's also a little bit we have to be careful with Major League Soccer now as it continues to grow. What people like about Major League Soccer is it's so authentic and so genuine and hasn't become big business like the NFL. The NFL said, well, who cares about the hundreds of thousands of San Diegans. We need we get more money in LA. Right. Major League Soccer isn't doing that, doesn't do that, and we have to make sure that that continues. And I, knowing the ownership group now very well here, they want to be forever San Diego, and they want to make this something that is forever San Diego. So when you're talking about the stadium, how big and how mm -hmm. many seats would there be? And I know, I mean, you've played so many different games. Um, what's the biggest stadium you've, you've ever played in? 100,000. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely huge. So what the way this was designed over time was we wanted a stadium that was flexible. For And this is funny how this has happened over time. We wanted a stadium that was 18,000 seats-ish for a Major League Soccer team if it turns out this was not a great soccer market and that's all we could sell. But we wanted it expandable initially to 35,000 so that San Diego State football could play there. Mm -hmm. Now, over the last two and a half years that I've been here, San Diego State football's attendance has declined and Major League Soccer attendance throughout the country is skyrocketing on a rocket ship up. So the ir irony in all that is we would end up wanting the 35,000 seats, and I right. think San Diego State would be happier with 25,000 based sure. on what their attendance is these days. So that's the way it's evolved over time. Um, I don't imagine a scenario where it's not always at 35,000 seats, but the way they've developed the stadium, you can tuck the seats underneath to make it smaller and still keep a tight um, atmosphere. Sure. Now, is it only going to be used for soccer? Is there something we can throw concerts there? Anything. It, anything? Yeah. So so, th so this is this is the way it would be. Six dates a year, San Diego State football would play there. Mm -hmm. Probably 20 to 25 dates a year, the soccer team would play. The rest of the days are concerts, events, um, maybe other sports that come to town, like the Navy... Notre Dame game that's coming this weekend okay. or, or coming soon. Things like that would be would be thrown in the stadium as well. So it would be our own stadium that is a, a venue for, right. for high-profile events to come. Can you talk a little bit about the economics behind the decisions on building an MLS stadium? I mean, having grown up, watched the Chargers and Qualcomm, and then now being a season ticket holder up at StubHub, which is where you played for the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. It's incredible to watch a football game at a soccer field. The only thing I wish is that there was a soccer field that the Chargers were playing at here in San Diego. Hmm. Um, it's just interesting tell, to yeah, hear. tell us tell us a little bit about 
where professional sports are going. Well, you guys see it, right? You, you see, in my lifetime, I grew up an NFL fan before I was a soccer fan. Way more. Sure. In my lifetime, I have seen stadiums go from having hundreds of thousands of people on a waiting list for NFL tickets to stadiums are not full anymore. Right. I turn on the TV and watch football games, and I don't see full stadiums anymore. So there is a decline. It's very obvious, a decline in NFL and collegiate football. But furthermore, I think owners are realizing that it's better to have 23,000 people in a 25,000 seat stadium than 23,000 people in a 50,000 seat stadium. It just makes the environment and the atmosphere better and more exciting. And it's interesting. I haven't talked to anybody who's been to a NFL game at StubHub. Absolutely yet. love it. But it's cool. I mean, you're right on top of the field. You're so much closer than you would normally be. And you feel a part of the environment in a different way. It's just, it's human energy. You can't deny it. So as opposed to being in the third deck and you need binoculars to see what's going on on the field, you get to, you know, see the back of, oops, see the back of Philip Rivers jersey right in front of you, which I mean, is really cool. It's absolutely incredible. I, I tell people all the time, if I went to a high school stadium, if I went to La Jolla High, I couldn't get as close as I am at StubHub. I mean, right. it's absolutely incredible. And it, there is something to be said about not having to deal with 70,000 cars coming in and out of the stadium. I get in and I get out and it's just an incredible environment. If you think of the future of sports, right, everybody consumes on TV or on gadgets or on their iPads or whatever. The only the diehards who really want to get up and go to the game and deal with traffic and deal with those headaches are going to go to the stadium. So you don't need there's there's no longer a need for 60, 70, 80,000 seat stadiums anymore. It's just not necessary. And conversely, you create demand by having a smaller stadium. You can increase ticket prices in the premium areas you can keep ticket prices low in areas where you have your hardcore supporters and fans and people who buy season tickets it's it it truly is a type of stadium that is for the whole community yeah conceptually that's what it's good to hear because that's what's working for for you guys and we can draw a parallel to that for you know restaurant and, and a grocery store where you know we've heard so many horror stories of people that are like killing it and they have a 600 to a thousand square foot little restaurant they have a line out the door mm. they're they cannot keep people away and then they're like okay we got to get bigger and they go to a 5,000 square foot restaurant and all of a sudden Empty. crickets yeah. you know and it's because you don't have that draw people are looking at it like if they're driving by and there's a line they're like what am i missing totally i got just gonna say the same thing yeah I, i'm missing something if i'm not gonna go get i gotta go get in that line um so it's the same conceptually it's the same thing as you know, create demand right absolutely it's, not, it's great not. And, and to be honest, in San Diego with the high Hispanic population that's just born and raised on, on soccer, I mean, that's going to be amazing. I, I can't imagine you'd sell out right away at 35,000 people. That's the easy part, right? Yeah. It's getting through this process. That's the challenge. But once once Soccer City and Measure E passes on November 6th, the easy part is filling up the stadium. That's the fun part. Right. And you said 20 games? Yeah, the MLS season, you would have 34 games total, so 17 at home, 17 away, and then you'd have some friendly games, preseason games, et cetera. And then you'd have international soccer teams coming. You'd have, you could potentially have exhibition NFL games, you, obviously San Diego State and other college football games, and mm-hmm. then concerts and events. What made you want to retire and then get into something as time consuming and as arduous <laughs> as a political process oh, I didn't know in a it city was. like San Diego. <laughs> I know. What an idiot I am, right? Everyone's saying, what the hell's your problem? You could have sat at home and relaxed for a few years. Um, I've, I've always been drawn to things I'm passionate about. And this I've become very passionate about because 
of the opportunity, right? This is truly once in a lifetime. Major League Soccer, if we don't pass this on November 6th, Major League Soccer will never come to this city. Um, by, for some people, that's fine. Mm -hmm. They don't care. And, and that's, but for me, it's a passion of mine. So I don't like to lose. I like to win. And so if I'm going to put my name and reputation and sweat into it, I'm going all in. And so I like the people I work with. I get to come here every day and work with great people and people who have a similar passion and pride and want to do something good for the community. At the end of the day, that's all I can control, right? Do my best. We do our best. People don't vote for it. That's the will of the people. That's, you know, that's their prerogative. But we're going to put everything into it and, and I'm going to we got two weeks left, so I'm, I'm not going to stop now, right? Let's sure. just go for it and see what happens. Can you lay out just the differences in both of the measures that are on the ballot? Sure. So we are Measure E. We're the Soccer City Initiative. The opposing is Measure G, which is the San Diego State West Initiative. Um, the, the main differences are a few. We are 100% privately funded. So that's the first thing that usually catches people eye, people's eye. And in this town, creates a lot of skepticism because they go, no, there has to be a catch. There has to be something. You How's know, it going to affect look me? What the, right. Yeah. Look what happened with the Chargers. And there has to be something. So part of our challenge has been every day convincing people through messaging and conversations. We are 100% privately funded in every way. You will never pay a penny of your taxpayer money not existing taxpayer money, not future taxpayer money, never, ever. The people behind our project said that was their number one prerogative from day one. We are never asking people to pay a penny. Conversely, on the San Diego State side, they will use existing bonds and, and they will use bonds to fund their stadium and their development. They will use existing tax money to fund their stadium and development. Um, what they want to be is basically a college campus, and what we want to be is a sports, entertainment, and educational hub. We want all of that. So we provide exactly what they provide. We just also have a major league soccer team. We build a river park, which they don't. We build a sports and entertainment district. And then the other piece of the funding, the financial pieces, because we are leasing the land, we will be paying property tax into the city coffers every year. And a large percentage of that goes to our schools, our roads, our firefighters, our police fighters, or our police officers, et cetera. So we will be paying property tax into the coffers of the city that the city can benefit from. So it's got to be a lot of money for that tax revenue coming in annually, right? Every a lot year. of money. Yeah. Tens of millions of dollars annually, which yeah. this city desperately needs. The other side, because they are the university, they, they pay something that's called possessory interest tax, which is different than property tax. It's much, it's, it, it's, um, it's defined as less to significantly less than what property tax would be. So the San Diego County Taxpayers Association did an, did an independent analysis of the two projects. We are literally twice as beneficial in tax revenue for the city as their project is. Wow. So that is a, it's $400 million versus $200 million. So we are significantly better for the city. And those are sort of the main differences. We both provide a new stadium for the Aztec football. We both provide the 35 acres that the university has stated they need to expand their campus. Um, we just are better financially and we're a lot more fun.
Yeah. And the, I sorry, the last piece I should say is <laughs> I like that. It's a lot more fun. We are. I mean, Straight up, I mean, right? it, would you guys go walk around a college campus? No, probably not. Who's would listening? you go to a sports and <laughs> who's listening? Would you go to a sports and entertainment district oh, and absolutely. hang out and have beers and have Cali Comfort barbecue and, yeah. and hang out? So that's. Uh, but the other piece is we're also faster. The the way they're initiative is written they have to go through two sequel reviews that's actually a good point which would take our best bet is a decade to 15 years before they even start doing anything on the site we will start immediately because we've already done all, all of our reviews and done all of our paperwork needed so we would start immediately and the reason that's significant is one you don't want to look at that place for another 15 years you mm-hmm. want to get started now but we are paying as taxpayers six million dollars a year to subsidize sdccu stadium it's costing us $6 million because it's such an old piece of junk. Sure, yeah. So I don't we're think paying $6 I don't million Jay-Z a year. I think Jay-Z and Beyonce are coming back. Correct. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that's why that's significant. So we're fun, we're faster, and we're free. That's that's amazing. I mean, it's, it sounds like a, a no-brainer. I mean, how, how expensive is this for uh, you guys to build? Uh, that's a good question. I'm guessing half a billion to a billion dollars yeah. before. And, and another difference. <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're contrasting here, but it's important. So, again, 100% privately funded means we are taking all the risk, right? right? So we spend $500 million. Nobody shows up to the stadium. Nobody buys the housing. Nobody goes to the retail or the restaurants. That's on us. We lose the money. On the other side, Measure G, the SDSU West proposal, they are getting back – they are getting um, hedged – by student fees, taxpayer money, and potential tuition hikes. So if something goes wrong with with their project, if they don't meet all the timelines they need, the way that gets paid for is taxpayers, student fees going up, and tuition going up. There's no, but there's no one team or person on the hook for all that financial risk, and that's a big difference. Now, their project may go exactly according to plan, and it may not come into play, but there is significant risk involved. I think it's something that's very important to talk about because as somebody that participated in the Save Our Bolts movement that campaigned for C to get a football stadium built, as somebody that loves what AEG, Anschelton Entertainment Group, does up at Staples Center and building these sports entertainment districts, I mean, it creates such an incredible, vibrant part to an economy, something that watching what Petco Park did for downtown, and it gets brushed aside so easily here in San Diego? Are, what are the things that you guys are fighting, you know, as you've been campaigning, kind of educating? Because mm-hmm. you go out and educate every single day, and that's part of something right. I've heard you on, Scott and VR, I've heard you on doing multiple, you know, interviews. It's very important for you to actually talk to real people. Why is that? Well, because we went on the facts. Our, our facts win all day, every day on the economy, on how it's fun, how it's faster than they are, how it's just better for every San Diegan than the other side is. So we have to continually educate. What we don't have, unfortunately, is we don't have the uh, what I consider the illegal use of the SDSU name in mm-hmm. their initiative. Um, but we also don't have the political tie-ins that the other side has. The political people on the other side of the aisle have been in politics for 30, 40, 50 years here. And they're cashing in all those political chips now because they desperately want to win this. And they are two developers and they want to get a piece of this land so they can profit from it. For us, we don't play that game. We never have. None of our team have ever been in politics. We don't have these deep relationships or we haven't contributed to people's campaigns who can now endorse us. We don't have those type of relationships. So we have to win on the facts and we have to educate people. 
And inevitably, when you educate people and you talk about the things I just talked about a couple of minutes ago, people go, like you said, yeah, this is a no-brainer. This right. is pretty obvious. Well, I mean, just for me, it's something that it's almost like an instant gratification thing. If I can get it right now and I can take my kids to it in the next few years and we can enjoy it, in 15 years, I mean, my kids are going to be graduated college and they're going to be gone. That's so right. it's not going to really affect us as much, right? So I want my kids, my nephews, my whole family to get to go use it. I mean, to have a, a, a river park, too, where kids can go out and have fun. I, I'm, I'm seeing pictures and there's different fields and stuff. And, I mean, that just seems very enticing to me for, for the, the family aspect, to bring everybody that can kind of come together and do something as a family together. Yeah, and two other pieces that I'll add to this. The fields you talked about. So we have uh, a lot of acreage, eight fields for the community to use for free. If you're in youth sports in this community, you know that's a big headache is trying to find fields to play on. The other piece is we will have, again, 100% privately funded youth soccer academy. So if you have know anything about youth soccer in this city and across America, really, it's basically pay to play. People who can afford to play get to play. Kids who don't have that luxury can't afford to play. Parents who can't afford to put their kids in don't get to play on the best club teams, don't get the best coaches, the best training, etc. We will have an academy that's privately funded. So if there's a kid in San Ysidro or a kid up in Carlsbad or a kid in Alpine who we deem is the best little girl to be on our one of our academy teams, she's coming to our academy period, end of story, and she's not paying a penny. So that's another piece of this project that's that's really important. Um, I always have this vision. Sometimes I have this dream at night where I wake up on a Saturday morning, I have two little boys and a girl on the way, and we go to the river park. We hang out all morning at the river park. We're walking around. We go have something to eat at lunch, um, hang out in the afternoon, walk around. Maybe there's a concert out in the park somewhere, and then we go to an SDSU football game at night, watch the Aztecs win a game, stay in a hotel there on the property, wake up in the morning, have breakfast, and march with all the MLS fans to an MLS game and watch our MLS team win, and then we drive home at night, and we just had a whole weekend here right. enjoying San Diego. That's so right. incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I think and people can even fly in to do yeah. that. I mean, they, they will. Destination well, think about I went to Vegas last year for a Vegas Knights game mm -hmm. against the Oilers. Mm -hmm. There were 10,000 people from Edmonton who flew in to see because they want to go so to Vegas. Cool, right. People want to come to San Diego. Imagine sure. what that well, – we don't even talk about that. That's not even in our economic analysis. Yeah. Right. Imagine what that does to boost our economy. Well, I mean, Absolutely. that's – yeah, that's something that we talk about. You know, I'm part of an organization called Pro Football Ultimate Fan Association. And being here, having the Chargers here, every time the schedule came out, that was the most important day for an NFL fan. As you right. circle that schedule and you go, well, what game am I going to? When you look on there and you see San Diego – that's an easy sell for the wife. You bring the wife and they come down with the kids. You can go to SeaWorld. You can do all those things. And exactly what you're saying about River Park. I mean, youth sports are so important to Derek and myself. That's how our friendship started. That's why we got into business together. It's We learned so much on the field as kids, playing with friends and learning how to be a man, learning how to be a teammate, learning how to be responsible. Um, Talking about the river park and, you know, your dreams and when you're thinking about you and your wife. I mean, me and my wife and my our son, we're always looking for where can we go. And if there was a place like that, I mean, the sports entertainment district, I mean, that's exactly what those things do. They add amenities that San Diego deserves it. I mean, we I mean, Agreed. talk about San Diego and how you fell in love with San Diego. Well, yeah. And just to your point all those amenities and it's a hundred percent free to you. It's right? You don't have to pay for this, right? You, you, yeah. you can go to the river park and it's, you can go play on the fields whenever you want. And the tourists aren't paying now, if you want either. A, if you like, want Cali like comfort barbecue, one. you got to pay for it. But, right. <laughs> but no, that exactly. The people aren't paying. So 
My wife grew up in Rancho Santa Fe. She always raved about it. I grew up two hours northeast of here in a town called Redlands at the base of Big Bear Mountain. And we used to spend probably 10 to 15 weekends a year coming down to San Diego to play soccer because this is where right by the polo fields, that's where soccer was for, that's where all the competitive teams were. So when we decided we were going to move down here, I didn't know a lot about it except from that. And after about three months, I looked at my wife and I said, thank you. And she said, for what? And I said, I just love this place. I'm so happy here. And our family is so happy here. The sky is bluer. One of the, I, I told her one of the first days we were here, I said, is the sky bluer? What is going on? She said, well, you lived in L.A. for 10 years. So, yeah, the sky's bluer. I said, I just don't get it. How's the sky bluer? She said, it's just bluer. So I just love it here. I'm, I'm excited and proud that I get to raise my family here. What are we going to do with the fields? Um, are they going to be a synthetic turf? Or are they going to be grass? What, what's going to happen? Which fields? On the soccer fields. Stadium field? Yeah. No, grass. Grass? Yeah, if, if they if uh, anyone tries to run the turf concept by me, they're going <laughs> to shut down pretty quickly. <laughs> how's that going to work with all the wear and tear? Uh, well, you have – I mean, we're in San Diego, so it's a lot easier than a place that rains a lot, right? right. Where or snows or um, – it's manageable. It's not a – I mean, there, there are stadiums in England where it rains, you know, 300 days a year that are pristine all yeah. the time, so – we just hire the right grounds crew. I know we've played on a few, even at Kansas City. And when you play after, I mean, you can't even tell sometimes, you know. For at, In college, we always played on turf fields, and it was very, very rare they got to play on, on grass. But when you did, man, it was so much fun. Well, in soccer, too, it. it's right. Soccer, it's a big difference. I mean, in football, it's it can matter a little bit. Mm-hmm. But in soccer, the ball's on the ground, right? So it, it makes a right. big difference. So that uh, that's over my dead body they put turf. <laughs> <laughs> we have it in our backyard. And when I – right now, because – well, the turf guy said it's because it hasn't, you know, worn in yet. But it will push the ball. Whichever way the, the blades are laying, right. it pushes it the, the ball, ball that way. Bit. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm not great at soccer, but I'm not that bad. When I try to kick it to him and it just like goes right away from him, I'm like, Fuck. It's not helping you out, is it? Right. <laughs> so, so for those that don't follow soccer as closely, tell us about the growth of soccer in the United States and the growth of Major League Soccer specifically. It's incredible. So there are there are actual data metrics that you can look at, and then there are just anecdotal, right? So I, I started playing in 2001, played in Spartan Stadium, actually. San Diego State just played San Jose State Spartans here, and that's where we played our games. Um, old sort of beat-up stadium crowd of 10,000 on most days Uh, we played in Kansas City at Arrowhead in an 80,000 seat stadium you'd have 2,000 people in the stands wow you could hear the guy going hey Landon how's your dad doing (laughs) and when I juxtaposed that versus I watched a game this weekend in Atlanta 65,000 people showing up to Atlanta United you know Atlanta built that stadium Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the Falcons and kind of for for the Atlanta United soccer team too all of a sudden, that's become Atlanta United Stadium, yeah. right? The Falcons play eight games a year. Atlanta United plays 20, 25 games a year, and they're selling 60,000 seats every time. It's unbelievable. So when you think of that, and then just some more data. When Toronto FC came into MLS, I believe it was 2007, 2008, I think they paid $5 million for an expansion fee. The expansion fee today, 10 years later, $150 million at the low end, and it's pushing $200 million. Right. So that's I don't I I can't do math that fast, but that's hundreds and hundreds of percent increase. We are I'm bullish on it because I'm passionate about it and I love it. 
business people aren't spending $200 million because they just love the game. No, They're doing sure. it because it's a good business buy, yeah. right? So there's a, there's a massive rocket ship going upwards, and um, it would be a real shame if San Diego didn't jump on board when they had the chance. Sure. No, we see it all the time here and just in the youths because in San Diego, we're fortunate – not like other places, but we can play soccer 360 days a year. There's only a few days that it ever gets rained out that it's there's lightning or something. You have to get off the fields. But that's why you're seeing there's so much growth in, in those sports because you can be outside all the time. Yep. And and for me, we talked about it a little bit, but I'll be damned if I'm going to keep my kids inside and, and let them be raised by a tablet. We're going to be outside. We're going to be playing soccer. We're going to be doing stuff. And you're seeing everyone's kind of gravitating to it, towards it because it's such an amazing sport, you know, and, and the growth. And, and like I said, with watching my nephew, and everyone, they're always wearing the jerseys. They're always doing stuff. It's really, really cool to see how much it's grown because I've always loved it. And hopefully we can get a, a, a team here. And think of the, uh, the inspiration your children or your nephews would have if they had their own team here in San Diego where they're sure. buying that so jersey. Cool. They're going every weekend to watch their team. Now they're going, I don't even want to look at the tablet. I want to go play because right. yeah. I want to be just like that player. Right. And that's that's what we're trying to create here. And cool. you can go there all the time because it's open to the public. You can go there. You can see it. You can even go to the park. You can do 365 days a year. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, for me, the thing that you were talking about as far as underprivileged youth that will have access um, you know, having grown up in La Jolla, one of the reasons we're even here today, you know, Jim Fails, he's a head coach over for water polo. And I, I played football. I was lucky that my grandfather, an immigrant, was able to send me to a school in La Jolla as nice as bishops. Um, that's created all these connections for me. But the things that I love the most are finding out ways that Derek and I can help in our community in Spring Valley to the kids that don't have the privileges that I had. And the things that you're talking about is giving kids access and it comes, it starts with an idea and then it starts, that idea takes people making bold moves and taking risk because you've gotten a lot of flack for what you're doing right now. Have you not? Sure. Yeah, no, it's part. And listen, I, to to your point, I grew up in a 900 square foot home, right? With a twin sister and a half brother. I had zero chance of playing for a prestigious club soccer team. My mom could not afford $200, much less two grand a year to, to have sure. me play soccer. There was no way. It was never happening. I was fortunate to have somebody pay for me, would drive 45 minutes to pick me up, 45 minutes to take me to practice, 45 minutes back out to drive me home and drive back 45 minutes to get to their house. So I was fortunate to have that. Having the ability now to say, hey, Susie from Carlsbad, we know you can't afford to pay three grand a year to play for one of the club teams here, but you're a really good player. We like your attitude, your determination. We want you to come to our academy. We will send a bus to pick you up every day. You'll come train for us, and we're going to push you to be the best you can be. And maybe she won't be a professional, but she'll probably end up getting a scholarship to college that she wouldn't have gotten otherwise. She'll get exposure and all that. And that's that's the beauty of what we get to do. And you said it starts with an idea, but then there has to be execution, right? We have a group of people behind us who admittedly don't know a lot about soccer, but have said, Landon, we want you to build that academy and do what you do with that, and we will fund it. Here's the money. Go do it. And it gives me goosebumps talking sure. about it because we're going to change lives. Right. We're going to change tons of lives. Yeah. No, we talked um, earlier how there's you know club teams. And when I first started playing baseball – 
like you had to be the best of the best to be on a club team. You could, I mean, it was just now it's kind of like if you have enough money, you can go out and play. But to be able to give that exposure, because I, I think a lot of these, um, well, there's there's a couple ways I think about it, but um, you know, to get exposure for those sports, it, it's great for the kids, you know. But if you are that, if you are good enough. The, the recruit they'll find you they're, they're paid a lot of money to come out and find you know the, the great athletes but getting them in in those places and, and playing those games is is going to be amazing and for free and to be able to get there and but those. you have to get them in the door first right yeah. so there are right now there are hundreds if not thousands of kids in every sport who and we've seen them and you go wow that kid is talented why why at 15 have they never been taught how to properly throw a football you know you can tell they have talent properly swing a bat you have to find them early enough to get them involved so they get proper training and proper coaching and one thing i didn't mention earlier but the the beauty of what our academy can do i have lived this sport and played it my whole life and i'm passionate about this academy side of it Another girl who grew up here, woman, Shannon McMillan, grew up here in San Diego in Escondido. She will be running our women's side. So we have, not only do we have the expertise, but we have connections all throughout sure. the country in different ways. And if a college coach calls and says, hey, do you have any good players in your academy that we should look at? We can say, yeah, we do. Or conversely, we can call the college coach and say, hey, we know you from here, here, here. You're friends with this guy that we played with. We really want you to look at this this player and it happens immediately and that's a big benefit of what we're going to be able to provide take us behind the smoke if you will (laughs) on the campaign side of working in this process you know kind of how what your expectations were going in and what actually has happened good question i didn't have expectations because i've never been a part of a political campaign and i've been taught in my life that if you do x y and z you're successful if you do a b and c you're successful. If you do things the right way, you put in the hard work and the effort, you succeed. In uh, political campaigns or in (laughs) politics, it almost, not only does that not happen, it almost seems like the opposite. It's almost like we did all this hard work in preparing just in the event that the Chargers leave, what would be the next option for this city? How can we create something amazing? All this work, thousands of pages of an initiative, millions of dollars spent to do something that we thought was great for the community and then all of a sudden a group of political insiders and developers on the other side you know spend a couple weeks and put 13 pages together and get all their buddies to endorse them and you're fighting against this this uh establishment right so it's it's been a really tricky process uh to navigate but in the end you have to believe in what you're doing and every day i come in here and i go this is the right thing for San Diego. I can step back and look at it objectively and say, this is the right thing for San Diego. There are a lot of days where you want to bang your head in the wall and just say, (laughs) what am I doing? But, um, you, like you said earlier, you got to stand for something and you gotta, you gotta get off the fence and say, this is what I'm for. And this is what's right. And I'm going to do, I'm going to do everything I can to do what's right. So you got two weeks left. Yep. What's the biggest push? What are the, if you had bullet yeah. points on like, what, what's the biggest thing we want to get across? So what we are doing is we are trying to affect people in every way, right? We've spent a lot of time and money putting out good TV ads that are informative, send mail to people that is informative. We've been sitting here for weeks now writing postcards, tens of thousands of postcards to individual postcards to individual people to get them to understand what we're about. We are out in the community literally every single day 
talking to people, having events, going to soccer fields, trying to touch as many people as we can in a face-to-face way to let them know what we are and what we're, what we're about. Um, the last phase of this will be going out, all of us together, and knocking on doors the last few days before the election and saying, do you know what we are? Do you like us? Make sure you vote. And I have, I have yet to come across a person in this city that when I speak to them, and they may have started saying, I'm for SDSU West. I'm against Soccer City. By the end of the conversation, after laying out the facts and what we are, they say, you know what? At worst, worst case, they say, I'm going to vote yes for both. And 99% of the time they say, I'm going to vote for Soccer City. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's been amazing to see that happen. It's cool because it's you guys are kind of making it personal. And you're making it personal where you're showing them what can what they can do, what you can't. Like, you can see it. You can feel it. I, I mean, just being here for the last hour, I mean, what's going on here is pretty amazing. I mean, it's a, it's a very personal thing. You can tell how passionate you are about it and how personal it is to you. Um, and the people in San Diego need to understand how personal it is for them, too. You know, if they can listen to this and understand, like, there's going to be a lot of cool things that can come from this. And so, yeah, and I, I think that's perfectly said. And what, you know, we were saying long before that, there, the two initiatives, and we were talking about the differences earlier, one is for um, higher education institution, which is great, good for the city. Everybody loves San Diego State, including us. Many of our investors are longtime donors to San Diego State. We love the university. We want the university to do well. But what we are is we have something that's for everybody in this community. You know, it's not just a college campus. This community needs a lot of different things and we have all of that and it was almost like this divine intervention when they came out and told us we were measure e because we were saying we, we are for everyone you know we're not just for a few people we're for everyone and we truly believe that we have something 365 days a year that every person in san diego whether you're one years old and you're walking around the river park or you're 99 years old and you're hanging out eating at a restaurant in in the soccer city community there's something here for everyone in this city to enjoy. And it's privately financed. And you don't have to pay for it. Yes. Right. This is if, if you just took the names of the initiatives out and put them side by side and asked someone to sort of do a, not blind taste test, but a taste test of the two, they would say, this is an absolute no-brainer, mm-hmm. right? Unfortunately, the politics get in the way, and so we find ourselves in a fight. But um, we believe in what we're doing. Yeah, I think that's important because it is – very intimidating. I mean, just bringing my pamphlet that I got in the mail for the vote, it's a big initiative, but you need to put that detail in there so you let people know that you actually do have a plan. That's you know? right. So you do have a plan, and it's put up next against SDSU West, who also has a plan, but their plan isn't as detailed as yours. Well, their plan is a, their plan is basically give us the land, and we'll figure out what to do with it in the future. And, uh, San Diego doesn't figure out anything on its own. Not only San Diego, but <laughs> some of the people behind the initiative have, have played that card a few times in the past, and it's been really bad for the city of San Diego. And so in our, we believe that having an actual plan that details everything specifically is the right way to do it. And what would you say to people that are listening that aren't able to vote in this, that might be listening around the world about believing in something and actually following up and you know you're putting yourself out there you're putting your family out there you're campaigning for something that you believe in well i think we've all learned a lot uh in this country in the last few years and whether you love or hate trump and the president and that that uh administration 
what it's done is it's made people wake up and say, you know what, if I want to make a difference, I need to do something about it. And that's been the biggest benefit, I think, of all of this is people are standing up and saying, I need to be for something and be proud of something. Now, unfortunately, we take it to the extreme where everyone digs in on a side and mm -hmm. doesn't listen anymore and mm -hmm. isn't open-minded, but at least we get people engaged and caring and I've enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, soccer used to be about if I don't win the championship, I'm so disappointed. And then I got to a point later in my career where I said, as long as I play as well as I can play every day and do my absolute best, you can't always control the results. So just do every. And I lost a championship in 2009 and I was devastated for like a few hours. And then I sat there and I said, I gave everything I had. Right. What else are you going to do? And that's the way I feel about this process. And I do believe that when you do approach things that way, more often than not, you're successful. That's that's great. So it passes. Mm -hmm. When do you break ground? When's it done? Mm -hmm. Like, what are we ta we're talking two years when it's finally done, three years, or is it like fashion? So the beauty of this process <clears throat> is that we've been sued a few times now. One by the, uh, Welcome to San Diego. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> One by the city attorney, ironically, trying to get us kicked off the ballot. <laughs> Um, but she failed in that endeavor. And so we have already been sued um, and passed with flying colors. We will probably get sued still by somebody, some way, somehow. So that will be a little piece of it. But we can start, because of all the planning and work we've done in our initiative, we can start almost immediately, certainly in 2019. We have to basically have a stadium built by 2021, 2022 at the latest so that we can house our MLS team. Gotcha. And meanwhile, we want SDSU football to have a place to play quickly as well. We don't want them continuing to play at SDCCU Stadium. It's not good for anybody. No, that's absolutely true. Yeah, I didn't even think about where they were going to play. Yeah. <laughs> while, that, while that happened. I, I'm sure they have. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. <coughs> so where can people go to uh, get more information? So you can go to our Soccer City website. Um, we are very responsive on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Um, if people want to help out and want to volunteer, we've got two weeks left, so they can email us at info at soccercitysd.com and come be part of the party. I mean, when, I, when, when we are here every day, we see people so excited and passionate, and when I see uh, other, the other side having press conferences and it's like six or seven people and it's always the same people, you can tell that we are <laughs> sort of for the people, and sure. you can see people getting excited about that. Um, I guess the last thing, if people want to come help us door knock, we are door knocking. And the way we are incentivizing people is, one, we'll pay them to come door knock with us. But two, and for me more importantly, um, if they door knock with us three out of the four days, we're giving them a season ticket to our inaugural season. Wow. So there will only be That's so many rad. people that ever have a first season ticket for an MLS season or a pro <laughs> sports season, and they have that opportunity. One last question I have. What are they going to do or what's your guys' plan for traffic? because mm -hmm. that's going to be a big issue because it's already so fucking congested down there right mm -hmm. it's already pretty, it's pretty gnarly bad. so it's like oh. yep. bringing some something so big and have so much traffic down there all the time what, what do you do good question so another big difference in the two initiatives in the SDSU West initiative they have no plan for traffic they basically say uh, we will deal with it in the future which is again a plan to plan but I don't really trust anybody in, when they say things like that. Right. We have, in our initiative, we are committed to $50 million of traffic mitigation in and around the site. So we will expand roads. We will add new roads. We will do what is needed 
to mitigate for the traffic. Now, the other piece of our plan that people forget about and you can't really quantify, as you know, that site is right along the trolley stop, mm -hmm. right? What we have intentionally done, and, and we took this from the Mission Valley Planning Group, what we have intentionally done is we're building a place where people can live. There will be housing, condos, et cetera. They can work there. There will be office spaces. There will be restaurants where people can work, bars, et cetera. And you can play there. You can go up, walk. So there are a lot of people who will live there that have no need to come there on game days. The only thing they were doing is maybe be leaving so they aren't involved in whatever commotion is there if they don't want to be involved in it. But there will be significantly less people there from outside and significantly less traffic because of that. And you can't put that into an analysis because it's just not, you don't know what those numbers are going to be. But um, we are spending $50 million to mitigate the traffic while the other side is doing zero. That's awesome. There are two uh, links that we're going to put in the show notes. Everything we talked about today will be in the show notes. But uh, you did a podcast with uh, Scott Kaplan on his solo podcast. Uh, incredible. Uh, you told Thank us you. your whole story, um, a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff of growing up in soccer and um, playing in the World Cup and doing all the incredible things that you've done. Uh, we're going to put a link in there so people can check that out. And you also did one uh, called Parental mm. that I really enjoyed. You to that. I did listen oh, to cool. it. And, um, you know, just being a father uh, myself and watching Derek as a new as a dad of three boys um, and hearing your side of the story, I think it's really important that as men, as leaders, that we talk about stuff. We talk about vulnerabilities and uh, we'll put that link in there because uh, I think that was a fantastic podcast, both of those. So well thank, said, thank, man. You thank you. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for thinking big for San Diego, uh, thinking for our youth. And uh, we're really excited. We're going to get out there and we're going to vote. And uh, it's going to be a very exciting party. We're going to yeah. have a party time. Fuck, I'm, I'll, I'll always party. Let's go. <laughs> De Derek and I will help build the stadium. How about that? Amen. Yeah. Shovels in the ground. I Let's do it. I can see a nice little restaurant in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Restaurant and a butcher shop. Let's do it. There you go. Right on. Thank Thanks, you very guys. much. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Hey guys, this is Sean and Derek, and we just really want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It means the world to us. We'd like you to go check out BehindTheSmokeMedia.com. That's our website where we have barbecue resources for you to help build your barbecue business. Uh, we also have events listed, so anything that's happening in the West Coast barbecue movement, uh, anything that's going on, we want you to go check that out so you can learn more and get involved. We also have show notes uh, from all the episodes, so anything we talked about in the episodes, you can find detailed show notes there. Um, plus, you can just get in touch with us. It's important that uh, we're here as a resource for you. So please reach out. Let us know how Derek and I can help you with your barbecue journey. Uh, get involved. Stay curious. And uh, follow us on social at Barbecue War Stories. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.